Welcome to our look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 9 to 12 today. This is day four of our look at this chapter in Daily Drive Time Devotions. Let me begin by reading those verses to you, verses 9 to 12. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with the work of Satan, displayed in all kinds of counterfeit miracles, signs, and wonders, and in every sort of evil that deceives those who are perishing. They perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie and so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth but have delighted in wickedness. The center of these verses is about the perishing. We've talked about the man of lawlessness the last couple of days, but these verses talk about the influence that this man of lawlessness has on those who've refused to believe in God, believe in Jesus. And the phrase it uses here is the perishing. We're all, we're all perishing before we come to know Christ. We're all headed for an eternity of separation from God before we come to know Him. And these verses talk about, they indicate, they indicate the great dividing line in history. The dividing line where the perishing will reject God's work and message and will be drawn towards Satan's work and message. But on the other side of that line, the called will reject Satan's work and message and will be drawn towards God's work and message. And these verses talk about what's going to happen, particularly to the perishing. We're going to talk about the called tomorrow. But the perishing, the word used here is they will be deceived. Remember, Paul talked at the beginning about not being deceived, and he says here, if you're perishing, you're inevitably going to be deceived. What will they be deceived by? Well, he says they'll be deceived by the work of Satan. Satan is a liar. Satan is an accuser. Satan is a deceiver. That's the kind of work that he does. I don't have to buy the lie. Those who buy the lie are those who have rejected God's message. And if you reject God's message, (laughs) if you think you're going to just believe in yourself, that's not the way human minds work. We're always looking for some truth to latch on to. If you reject the truth, you're inevitably going to hold on to a lie. They're going to be deceived by the work of Satan. They're going to be deceived specifically by the lawless one's display of the work of Satan. They have set themselves up to believe in this lie. This lawless one's going to come and he's going to have counterfeit miracles. Wow. Counterfeit signs, counterfeit wonders. Counterfeit, by the way, means it looks like the real thing, but it's a fake. And Satan can counterfeit all of those things. If you're depending on some miracle, some sign, some wonder for your faith, for your belief in God, then you're setting yourself up. What you depend on is the fact that God in human flesh came into this world and gave his life for you on a cross. He loved you that much. That's what you lean on. That's what you depend on. You don't depend on some wow, some fireworks show. You depend on love, reality, relationship. Those who are looking for the wow, those who are looking only for the spiritual excitement and thrill, they are setting themselves up to believe this lie because Satan lies. They're going to be set up by the work of Satan, by the lawless one's display. In fact, it says here, by every sort of evil. Those who, uh, those who rejected God are drawn towards evil. Because we all, we all want to somehow be satisfied inside, be fulfilled inside. And the scary thing that happens is when we reject God, we think somehow we can be fulfilled by evil. And all evil does is destroy us. And these verses talk about those who are perishing, who will be deceived. Who are these who are perishing? Well, in verse 10, the Bible tells us they perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. These are people who refused, who chose not, to accept the truth that God had shown them about their need of him. And because of their choice, because of their choice, these verses say that God will send them a powerful delusion. You read that and 
You think, what, what is this talking about? Why would God delude people? God wants to tell people the truth. Now, let me just walk you through the meaning of these verses. God's not making up people's minds here. God's not fooling people here. That's not what this means. God will send them a powerful delusion. It's not saying that God deludes them. They're already deluded. They've already decided. He's sending a delusion that, let me put it this way, it essentially fulfills their choice. They've decided they're gonna believe a lie, and God says, okay, I'm gonna send you a lie. And they follow that choice. Now, they could have chosen something different, and they wouldn't follow delusion. And what he's doing in this delusion is he's making what is unclear to us, the conditions of a person's heart, abundantly clear for all to see. When people follow the delusion, it shows their heart. It's like waving a bunch of money in front of people. If everybody says, oh, I'm an unselfish person, I don't care about money, but you wave, say, $100,000 in front of them, you're gonna find out pretty soon who is deluded by the fact that money is gonna solve all my problems and who really meant I'm unselfish about it. God's going to send a lie, and those who have chosen against him are going to follow that lie. And these verses are reminding us that there's no neutral ground. The the idea that rejecting the truth puts you on some moral high ground, I'm neutral about this, it is ridiculous. To reject the truth is to set yourself up inevitably to believe the lie. And it is a lie that always appeals to our pride. Now, we read these verses about God sending a delusion, and it bothers some of us. Because many people think of God like a, like a Hallmark card. He's nice no matter what. He has good sentiment towards us no matter what the truth. Well, the fact is God responds to us as God with strength and sovereignty. Choose against him and God will fulfill that choice. He'll give you the opportunity to follow that lie to its logical end, destruction. But choose to love him and God will fulfill that choice. God has sovereignly decided to give you a choice, but that does not put you in ultimate control. God is still God. So he talks here about people who reject the truth. They accept the lie, and then inevitably, when you reject the truth and you accept the lie, inevitably, you become the lie. As I read these verses, it points out to me what I believe to be a false picture in many people's minds about those who are perishing. Those who are perishing believe the lie all the way to and through the end. We think sometimes that when these who are perishing are rejected by God in the end, that they're going to see the error of their ways and they're going to beg God to let them into heaven. As I read the Bible, that is simply not true. Once you become the lie, you can't see past the lie. Listen, I have seen enough people face hell on earth and let that turn them even further from God. Let that turn into even a deeper hatred of God that I have no doubt that in the face of this actual hell, this actual separation for eternity from God, that people will not express a desire to turn to God in that moment. They're going to express a greater rejection of God. If you read the Bible carefully, people don't go to hell wanting to accept God. If they had a heart to accept God, they would have done it while they were here on earth. People go into hell with a heart of rejection towards God. Someone on our research team asked me a great question about this chapter, these verses. They asked the question, how do I practically pass on this information to a non-believer without turning them off to the Bible? These are difficult verses to understand. So how, how do I share these kind of verses when an unbeliever is asking about it? Behind what they're asking, there is this idea that I need to be able to explain perfectly in the Bible everything that's there, 
if an unbeliever is going to trust God and trust his word. And what I'd say to you about that is this. You trusted God, even though you didn't understand everything. You believe the Bible, even though there's some things that are difficult for you to understand. So I'd say give people credit. Give people who've not yet believed credit. Truth is, I have never met a person who refused to believe in Jesus or in the Bible because they couldn't figure out what the man of lawlessness meant. It's okay to give people a simple explanation. The man of lawlessness is talking about the fact that an evil one's going to come and a lot of people are going to be drawn to him instead of God. But I found that that's not the question that people are struggling with. I've never met a person who's got that question and is keeping them from God, but I've met hundreds who won't believe because they simply don't want to change their lifestyle. Their question is about, hey, I can't do this anymore with my life. I can't drink this anymore in my life. I can't act this way. I can't say this way. I can't believe this way anymore. I can't do the selfish things I want to do anymore. And so that keeps them from believing. So when you're talking about difficult verses like this with an unbeliever, I would say, trust them as God has trusted them. God trusted the Bible into all of our hands, believer and unbeliever alike. And that is refreshing to me. It reminds me that I don't have to try to be God and explain the reason that God put certain verses in the Bible. I can trust him. And I can trust the fact that he can work in people's hearts, even though there are difficult places in the Bible to understand. Now, the last thing you want to do is act like you understand it all. I think the most refreshing thing sometimes an unbeliever can hear is, I haven't figured it all out yet, but I have figured this out. It's clear to me that Jesus loves me, and it's clear to me that I'm understanding it better and better every day. I'm growing closer and closer to him. I can have a relationship with him that lasts all the way into eternity. These are verses about the perishing. I would remind you that that is not the end that God wants for any of us. The Bible tells us that God does not desire that any of us should perish. He wants all of us to come to know his son, Jesus Christ. So as we end, let's thank God for his desire, for his will at work in this world today. Just give God thanks right now that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Thank him that those of us who come to know him are not perishing, but we're looking forward to an eternity of joy with him. Thank Jesus that he came not to condemn the world, but to save it. And if you're worried, if you're concerned and anxious somehow that you're perishing, that you're apart from God, it doesn't have to, doesn't have to stay that way. Jesus came to save you. Jesus came to give you a new life. So right now, say to him, Jesus, my life's headed in the wrong direction. Help me to, help me to do a U-turn. Head me in your direction, Jesus Christ. Give me a new and fresh hope. I don't want to be perishing. I don't want to believe the lie. I want to live for your truth. Help me to help me to live the way that you made me to live. In your name I pray. Amen. Well, I encourage you, don't miss tomorrow. We're going to be looking at verses 13 to 17. These are the verses that bring this entire chapter together. <music> 